In this episode, we meet co-founder of Canada's largest public speaking contest, Rena Rovinelli. Rena is a great friend, and in this episode, she shares how you, as a competitor at Speaker Slam, whether it's next week at Community or if it's at the Grand Slam in the next couple of months, what you need to do to be able to elevate your game, to compete at the highest level, and ultimately to win Speaker Slam. Now, in addition, if you are someone that's interested in becoming a speaker, she has a program called Emerging Speakers, and she gives some tips and tactics to go from being a great speaker to being a paid speaker. So if you have that gap, watch this episode, get the tips, start implementing them immediately, and I know you will love this show. All right, here we go. This is I Will Teach You to Speak. Rena, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jonathan. It's exciting that I'm, we're getting the opportunity to do this together. When I think of Rena Rovanelli, I think of a connector. And I just finished recently reading The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about the connector being someone that's always networking, that always knows the right person uh, if, a solution, if there's a problem, who to connect that person to get the solution. And I've always seen you that way, whether it's with the speaker hub, speaker slam, bringing together judges, bringing together the contestants. Is that an accurate description of you or what do you think about being a connector? Well, it's funny because most people will refer to me as a connector, and I guess in a sense I am, although I think there are people that are way better at doing that than I am. Like I'm thinking of this young man, Nick Gibson, who's a friend of mine. Every single week he connects me to someone who's amazing, who's going to fit in perfectly with my business. He's a great connector. Uh, for me, I think of myself as a relationship builder. Okay. And part of being a relationship builder means that I'm connecting people. So I'm connecting people to other people. I'm connecting them to programs and services. I'm mentoring them. I'm asking for help. I'm meeting them for coffee. I'm supporting them at their events. And so just as a byproduct of that, I'm constantly connecting, but it's all in for the purposes of building relationships. Okay. And as you're building these relationships, as you're networking, what's your like overall encompassing philosophy around networking? Do you have specific ways to approach this? Is there an end goal in mind? Or what's the reason why you want to build relationships? Because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. I just finished reading Never Eat Alone. It's all about networking, but I want to hear about your philosophy. Well, first of all, there was a time in my life when I wanted my friends to be into the same things that I was into. So I would always okay. invite them out to everything and they would always say no. And I was constantly trying to drag them. And one day I realized, rather than do that, why not just go to the things I want to do and meet friends there? Yes. That's when I started realizing that by going to different events, I would meet like-minded people, and I've met amazing connections. Now, for me, relationships have really helped me in my business. Mm. And I think, I just have a quick story. Like, I, when I started Speaker Slam, I was always looking for judges. And I was always trying to leverage other people's connections because I had some friends that were in caps and I had some friends who were high up at Toastmasters and I thought I could just ask them to introduce me. But I realized that in this day and age, 
everybody knows everybody. Everybody's connected to everybody. And it doesn't count for much anymore. You need yeah. to put the time and energy into building the relationship yourself if you want people to come out. So I started just investing my time, networking, connecting, socializing, building relationships, going out for coffees, making those solid relationships myself. And now I have a huge network of people that have been judges, who've spoken at Speaker Slam, who I've connected with or collaborated with. And that all comes from taking the time to get to know people. If you had to give, and I want to talk about Speaker Slam next, but if you were to give one piece of advice for someone that, like me, wants to be a better networker, wants to be a better connector, what would you tell that person? I think the most important thing about connecting is to get off social media and to actually meet people. Now, some of my friends make fun of me because I'm old school. Like, I go for coffees at least three, four times a week. Okay. You cannot hug someone over Zoom. That's true. Right? You cannot feel their energy. You cannot make, I mean, you can, we can get to know each other. You can like their posts. You can talk. But there's nothing that replaces physical human contact. And I will never do away with that. So I find that by getting out of my house, going one-on-one -on -one with people, they have your full attention, you have theirs, that's the best way to make an actual connection. Here I am this whole time thinking I'm doing a great job by hosting this Zoom show, building connections, but really you're saying I need to be in person. You've you got to take this on the road. Okay. You've got to take this on the road one-on-one -on -one and have like a video following you around. That's the next level. Okay. All right. I will start thinking about that. In the meantime, mm -hmm. a lot of our viewers on this show are really interested in public speaking. And I think this is a perfect segue into some of the businesses that you're in right now as a coach, as the, one of the hosts of Speaker Slam. Dan was my first interview on oh, this wow. show. And so did he do now, a good job? Yeah, he did a great job. Okay. He did awesome. So he, you definitely have some big shoes to fill here. But <laughs> okay. what I want to ask you is your perspective on how Speaker Slam started. Because we know what Dan said, but how did it start in your opinion and, and what was the goal from the beginning? It truly did start with Dan approaching me to help him run workshops and I had zero desire to run workshops. Honestly, I thought we are going to have 12 people in the library. We're not <laughs> going to make a penny. We don't know anything about anything. Like what are we possibly going to tell these people? And he was so earnest. He was just so adorable. And I was like, okay, yes, we'll do this. And we went to an event and he just turned to me in the middle of it and he said, we should run a competition. Nice. And Jonathan, you know, as a mm -hmm. master's, I'm competitive. And he just, that was the right word. And I said, oh my God, speaker slam. And it was born. And it has just, from the minute we started, it's just taken off. Everything that we've done with it has been amazing. It was that instantaneous. He said competition. You said, oh my God, speaker slam. Yes. And then we quickly made a list. And one thing about Dan and I is partnership. I'm the visionary. He executes. Okay. So we moved quickly and we, we came up with the idea. We went out the next week. We looked at venues. We found revival. We booked it. We announced it. We promoted it. Was, it just took off. There was no long planning process. Like it just, it was an idea and then it happened. Okay. So you've really shortened your speed to execution is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to Dan. Okay. And question about that because not all partnerships are like that. You have another partnership. I know you're working on the too much woman movement with Gina. Is the yes. partnership have a different dynamic? Is Gina the action taker? Or how does that work? It's funny because Gina and I are both the visionaries. We're both communicators. We both have ideas that we spend probably 10 times as much time as Dan and I do envisioning and dreaming and fantasizing and planning. And then when we meet the next time we start at the same point, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, we need an execution person. So, but, but I will say my relationship with Dan and that partnership 
has taught me the importance of that. Okay. So I'm able to realize, and I, I think a lot of people who have businesses get stuck in that phase of the planning and the waiting, and, and especially mm -hmm. women, we're perfectionists. Like we, we don't want to do anything until we have all the pieces in place. And because I've seen the success of Speaker Slam, I'm able to, to really realize that if we just start taking steps, it's going to happen. So we, we've actually been moving really quickly with that as well. So it's good. Okay. I'm glad that you can pull those qualities out of Dan to yeah. use them in other areas of your life. Channel him. I channel him. Let's talk about Speaker Slam really quickly because I wanted to have this interview with this week because I know that next week is the Speaker Slam competition about community. And there's going to be a lot of people that want your tips. Dan gave his tips and his perspective on what it takes to win Speaker Slam. But I want to hear it from you as well. What do you think it takes to win? What does it take to come to the top four? Is there a formula? What do we need to do on stage? The best thing about Speaker Slam, and I've always said this, that the story is the great equalizer. Now, we have had people who have gone to the world championships of public speaking. We've had professional paid speakers. We've had speaking coaches. We've also had people who are speaking on stage for the very first time, shaking through their fear. And those people have won as well. It's, it's about the story. If you have the most inspirational story, if you are the most vulnerable, and if you just are the most authentic and real and people can connect to you and you inspire the room, you can win. It's not always about the most polished speaker. Now, if you also have that down, if you also get a little bit of coaching and you can get your structure together, great. You're the full package. But really, it's the inspirational story that wins. And, and I, I'm actually really happy about that. It gives, it gives a, a fair playing field for everybody. Yeah, I hear you. If there's a professional and someone that's never spoken before, like you said, the story in the middle is the equalizer for the two. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And I'm curious, it's been two years now. Mm -hmm. Why are you still running the contest? What does it mean to you? Why is it so important that every single month you're running these competitions? Because I know the impact it's made on my life, but I'm curious from, from your perspective, why do you keep running the contest? I think when it started, the concept of running a, a speaking competition was cool and fun. Mm -hmm. that, quickly trans, uh, that quickly moved forward and was going to become an inspirational competition. And there is just such an energy in the room. There's so much love. And there's something that happens, and I feel like every speaker who comes into the competition, they are forced to kind of dig deep in their, themselves and discover their own personal story. It's almost like that moment of reflection of who you are and what you want to share with a room full of 200 people, mm. you is, it comes out. Yeah. And being able to be the catalyst for people to discover that, like Jose, you know, he came out, he shared his story, he won a couple times, he's gone on to do TEDx, he's going to be getting a gold cast video, he's been at the Archangel Summit. But all of that was boiled down to the very first speech he did where he talked about pushing through his fear and really identifying who he was as a human being. Now, two years later and 10 people a month, I have seen hundreds of people have that transformative moment. I've seen so many people catch on fire and get passionate about speaking. I've seen people their whole brand comes out of it. There's just such a fulfilling feeling in being involved with it. And I did have Jose on my show and he does credit you and he does credit Dan for nice. the, the crazy whirlwind of opportunity that's come to him since the last couple of years. Kudos to you. I know you're making a big impact in a lot of people's lives. Thank if you were to plug Speaker Slam 
for 60 seconds and you were to give your pitch on not only it's, it's challenging because there's, you want people to come to watch and you want people to come to compete. And I think the reason to come to compete should speak for itself. You just gave us a great reason right there. I think I like to think of the diamond as an example. It's pressure that creates the diamond. So the pressure of being on stage forces you to distill that story down and be able to actually articulate that story. So that's for the speaker. What about for the audience member? Because you've got a show coming up in the next couple of days. You've got the Grand Slam coming up in a month or so. Why should someone come to watch the night? It's funny. I mentioned my friend Nick Gibson, who is a great connector. He connected me to someone named Renee John, and she came out to an event. I'd never met her. We'd never spoken. And the next day, she wrote me this huge testimonial. And I was like, my heart was racing when I read it. It was so beautiful. And she said, how is it possible that you can have a room full of 200 people and they're all hugging and they're, they love each other and they're all high-fiving and they're all best friends? How is that possible? And it, it has just become possible. It's the, I've been to many events and I go to a lot of different things. There's a certain energy in the room. And Dan and I go to great lengths to create that. There's certain pieces that we put into our business that bring people together from the team meeting uh, to all the prep work we do online with people to like bringing people into the community that by the time they get there, they're so filled with love and energy and excitement that they build relationships on that high energy and that just never goes away. So it's the most beautiful, inspiring place to be. And I'm sure you can attest to that. Absolutely. And I also think it's, if it's your first time, there's just something really interesting about hearing people share inspirational moments that are true and vulnerable. They're not, they're not motivational pitches. They're not salesy. They're just stories that the people share their identity. And it's, um, it's very powerful. It definitely is powerful. And it reminds me of the, the culture that we created at CSI Pitchmasters where it's just, it has this different energy. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but I've been to a ton of events too. I've been to a ton of events and it just doesn't feel the way that Speaker Slam feels when you get there. It's welcoming, it's warm, it's, it's upbeat. It, how can other event organizers recreate that? It's not something that I wanted to ask you, but now that I'm thinking about it, like how come other people do that? It's funny. I want to start back with the first point you made about CSI Pitchmasters because we're all, you and I and Dan are from there. And I think Dan and I, we're really kind of raised in that environment of like people just completely loving and supporting each other. So we were able to bring that into our own event. And I, so I think a lot of times with event organizers, they're really concerned about a lot of things like the venue and all the small details and getting people in. But our event starts with the speakers and the speakers are also promoting to bring people out to support them. Mm -hmm. If we take care of them, and if we excite them and if we energize them and if we make them care about Speaker Slam themselves, then all the people that they're bringing into our event are gonna care as well. So it really just starts with taking care with each little piece and not just the end result, but, but from the beginning. Okay, fantastic. I wanna shift gears and talk about something that's really selfish, but I know a lot of the people that watch this show are ultra, also interested in creating a business as a speaker. Whether they want to do it full time or they just want to use it as a side hustle to get some additional cash. A lot of the people in my network are pursuing speaking as a career. I know that you're a paid speaker and also you're becoming a coach for speakers as well. So what do you see as the biggest mistake that somebody that's maybe an amateur right now, they're a great speaker, but they're not getting paid to speak. 
that wants to transition to being a pro, wants to get paid, what's the, some of the mistakes they're making? What are the non-negotiables they need to do to make that transition? Okay, that's a good question. And I think with two years, I have met so many friends who run speaker bureaus, are speaker coaches, are paid speakers. And the number one important thing to realize is that there is a huge difference between being a great speaker and a paid speaker. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that difference is the marketing in the middle. Okay. So a great speaker with a great presentation and great mannerisms and a great story, but it's not, it's, it's more than that. You need to be able to market yourself. You need to be able to have something unique about you. Why would someone choose you over someone else? Have you written a book? Have you done something amazing for charity? Do you have some articles about you? Like what is your unique selling proposition? And, you know, it's important, I think, for a lot of people to realize that when you're training, you know, when you're, when you're getting ready, people can only book you if they, if they can see you. And video is absolutely the number one thing that's important. I didn't realize this in the beginning myself. Um, a couple of friends of mine that are really successful paid speakers only get gigs because of their speaker reel. Okay. So if you don't have video put together and no one can kind of see how good you are, they're not gonna book you. So I think concentrate on your marketing what makes you unique and then make sure you get video to capture it so that someone would want to hire you. Okay. So market yourself is number one. One of the ways to be able to do that and probably in your opinion, the most important way is to do that through video yes. speaker reels. Now, is there a suggestion you have about the best way to put that together? Is it just film 10 speeches you do and then, then slice that together? Or do you have another way that you've seen it work? Now, the people that I know have spent tons of money having video crews come around and follow them to all their speaking events, and that can get expensive. But I think if you're doing small gigs, like if you're at Mo Mondays or if you're at Speaker Slam and you're getting your video, if you're at a Toastmaster Club and you get a few minutes of you on stage speaking, mm -hmm. um, and I see a lot of what's called sizzle reels, where people put things together with some music and some clips and some testimonials. And I think those are really powerful too. So it's really trying to you know, invest a little bit of money to put a few things together to kind of showcase the best side of you. Okay, so video is important. Any other tips you have there? I know that there's, you're putting together something called the roadmap to being a paid yes. speaker. I don't remember the name specifically, but there must be like, you need a website in place. You must have like a one pager, a 60 second pitch. Yeah, so those, so those are the things, and, and I'm definitely working on the roadmap because I am creating an advanced speaker group called From Great Speaker to Paid Speaker. And there are all the components that you need to have, like you do need a web page, you do need a one sheet, you do need signature talks, you do need a vertical, you need to know who you're speaking to. And a lot of times, the mistake that speakers make is they think, I'm a motivational speaker, so I'm just gonna go out there and everyone wants motivation. It doesn't work like that in the paid speaking world. You have to think about who your clients are. And a lot of times your clients are corporate because they're the ones that have the money. And corporate people are paying for a certain things. So you have to think about, am I talking about leadership? Am I talking um, about diversity? Like what, what am I talking about that's gonna make them wanna hire me? Or if you're talking to students, you, know, you need to really be specifically geared to like what would students need to hear about? Is it bullying? Is it you know, uh, social media? So you have to have a sort of area of expertise uh, and you need to have all of those things come together with the right video and the right marketing and pull it all together. So it's not as easy as I think people think they think I'm a great speaker, everyone would want me. It, it's not, it's, it's a business. That's what I thought. I was like, 
I'm pretty good at speaking. Why won't I get paid to be a speaker? But you're right. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And now that I think about it, one last thing I'm curious about is I've spent the last two years building content. So I've been writing blogs every single week. I've been making podcast interviews. I've been doing uh, pitches and speeches, and I've been recording all of those, posting them on YouTube, posting them on Facebook. How important is content creation, whether that's through Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and is that enough to get you business, or do you also need all these pieces, or, or even the other way around, can you have the other pieces and no content and still be good? Here's the thing I would say about content. You have to understand who's your audience. So if you want to have a corporate client, they're probably not so concerned about your online content. Your online content, you're really building your brand. Now, if you used your content to build your brand, and all of a sudden, because you built your brand, you had a huge social media following. Mm -hmm. Because of that, maybe you did something big, you had a big event, and all of a sudden you got publicity because of it. Now all of a sudden, you're, you're newsworthy, you're unique, you're innovative. The other part is that I have never heard too much about corporate looking into someone's really particular small details, like the things that we think are so important. Okay. They're going to look at your video. Uh, they're going to look at your video and say, do you know what you're talking about? Do you sound good? Do you have testimonials? Have you worked for other clients? Um, are you talking about something that we need? Do you know? And, and again, just like any business in the world, it's who you know. Uh, so I, I think that part of what you're talking about content creation, that's, that's sort of creating your personal brand and that's fine. And that's something you need to do, but that's maybe not going to be the be all and end all of getting booked. Okay. Now, besides getting a ticket next week to speaker slam and getting a ticket to the grand slam, I wanted to let you share anything that's on your mind, whatever's on your heart. I am very conscious that I direct the interviews, so I want to give you the opportunity to share anything that's been resonating with you recently, anything you want to share with the, with the group. Okay. Um, I guess I'm going to give a couple pieces of advice, okay? Things have just popped in my head that I was thinking about today. Uh, the first one is that you should always say yes. And that's a common, people will say that sometimes, but there's so many opportunities out there and I often will invite people to things. I'll have an extra ticket or I'll call them or invite them or I'll, I'll, I'll get you know, throw context people's way. Say yes, meet with people, go to the event, take people up on their opportunity, do the volunteer thing. You just never know what's going to come of it. And people sit in their home all day long planning and dreaming and vision, envisioning, but you're only going to get opportunities when you're out there. So say yes. Okay. Yeah. Is for anybody that says yes, when I ask them to do something, when I ask them to go places, they're in my book, in my mind of people to invite. So there's a couple people I invite everywhere. Anytime I get a free ticket, I bring them. Anytime I know something's coming up, I let them know because they're the people that I know that are, that have initiative and they're go-getters. And I think those are the people that, and Jonathan, you were one of those people when we first met, right? Yes. Totally open and receptive to anything and everything. And you just flew to the top because you just had that right attitude. That's the first one. The second one is honor your commitments. And it's something that's coming up with me lately. I, I call it a bit of a cancel culture that we have. Mm. Commitments to go to events and, and to do things and everybody kind of cancels at the last minute. Uh, something better has come along. But there's real integrity in honoring your commitment to the person that you've done, that you've made the commitment to in the first place. They, they will really respect you. And I think it will take 
you a long way with them in terms of the relationship, which was what I was talking about earlier. That's really valuable feedback. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So those those specifically. Sorry, I didn't catch that. This this has been fun. Like, are you enjoying doing uh, this sort of format? Yeah, I absolutely love it. So one of my favorite things is that I know that it has the opportunity to benefit a lot of people. I typically like to talk about public speaking. I like to talk about investing. I like to talk about communication in, in, in a general sense, like comedy, things like that. Uh, everyday communication in business. Mostly because I want to learn and get better at all these things myself. And then also I know that as a byproduct of talking to experts like you, there's a lot of other people that can benefit as well. So it's been a, a win-win, uh, hopefully a win for you as well. Absolutely. It was great. Okay, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate having you on the show. I will remember to say yes more often. My mom gave me a call right before this interview and I said no to what she was asking. Oh my gosh. I'll have to call her back later and say, hey mom, (laughs) I was just speaking to Rena. She said I have to say yes. Yes, promise. (laughs) And I will make sure. I never thought of it. Uh, I like that that label, the the cancel culture. I like to think of it as people just being flaky, but I love someone with integrity. I love someone that does what they said they were going to do. They show up when they said they were going to show up. So I'll make sure to keep bringing that in my life. Keep bringing it, Jonathan. Keep bringing it. I really appreciate having you on the show. Where can people find you online? Is it best to find you on Facebook, Instagram? Where do you prefer to connect? I just broke into Instagram because that's where all the young kids are and I didn't want to be left out. Uh, So I am on Instagram as Rina Speaker Slam. But mostly on Facebook. That's my home. Like I'm old school. I'm definitely on Facebook under Speaker Slam under my name, Rina Robinelli. So you can definitely find me there. Okay. I will tag your Facebook below uh, in the, in the show notes. Rina Robinelli, really appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at Speaker Slam next week. Thank you. I'll see you then.